In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is the camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into the camp. I'm Zach Heilprin. Going to get into our Q&A Friday here in just a few minutes. Wanted to give you a heads up. We are going to be doing... So the, pa- the Badgers practice on Saturday. Me and Jesse are going to be recording Sunday. And we'll have that episode up late Sunday night, early Monday morning, uh, breaking down uh, tomorrow's practice. So you won't have an episode tomorrow, but we will have one fresh for you Monday morning uh, on what we saw on Saturday. So looking forward to that. Uh, it's going to be outside. Uh, maybe we'll get some full scrimmaging going on. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, we're excited for that. So uh, that'll be Monday morning. Um, a couple, one more thing before we get to the Q&A is Joe Titman. He was out on the field today at the McLean Center working out for NFL scouts. He did, uh, because of an injury, did not take part in anything at the NFL Combine except for meeting with teams, did not even come to Madison for uh, Wisconsin's Pro Day because he was still rehabbing. Uh, but he finally took the field today, and he did so actually with Tyler Beach, who got another opportunity to get in front of scouts. Um, it looked like... Tipman didn't do any on-field testing. We know he was in the weight room. We saw that video, uh, put up 30 reps on the bench, but uh, it didn't look like he did any on-field testing. He did do on-field drills. Him and Tyler Beach went through some on-field drills. Uh, a UW official said that probably about 20 teams came to see him. He uh, has a good chance of being the first guy off the board from Wisconsin. Uh, Keanu Benton certainly moving up uh, draft boards very quickly. I've seen Joe Tipman as early as the late first round, you know, into the second round. So we'll see. But today was probably a big one for him. And uh, I guess it, it apparently went well. We got to see – we were doing interviews while uh, in a room that looked out over the field. So we were able to kind of see some of the, what he was doing. And um, he looked good. But, again, it's not in pads or anything like that. So um, I think they were obviously just trying to get a feel for how he was moving. And um, he certainly has the athletic ability uh, to be a high-level player at the next level. Injuries have been – an issue for him at times, but um, again, very talented. And you look at the last two guys, starting centers, long-term starting centers at Wisconsin um, to go on and, and play in the NFL, Tyler, uh, Travis Frederick, all pro, and obviously uh, Tyler Biotish, who has been a very good player for Dallas and a pro bowler last year. So Joe Tittman was a starter for the last three seasons and, was pretty darn good. Uh, there were some actually some really, really good centers in the Big Ten at the time, so I think he, the best he ever did was uh, honorable mention all Big Ten, but a really good player, obviously, and uh, we'll have uh, an NFL opportunity. All right, let's get into our Q&A for today. We'll start with Miami Rising. He has uh, a number of questions, uh, but we'll start with this one. Nolan Rucci was excellent, excellent last year in limited time. Any reason to believe that he can or can't start over Riley Mullman this year. Um, I can't say that there's no reason that he can't, or that it won't happen, or that he can. All we know right now is he's the backup left tackle. He is the backup to Jack Nelson. Riley Mullman's the starter at right tackle. Um, Jack Bicknell has obviously been forced to kind of shuffle things a little bit on the front with Jake Renfro going down and moving Trey Wedig into the left guard spot. Trey Wedig had been the backup right tackle. I think Trey Wedig is the first guy that goes in if Riley Mallman goes down, or obviously if uh, 
Tanner Bordellini has to move. That's the thing. He he is the Swiss Army knife, essentially. Uh, can play left guard, can play right guard, can play right tackle. Probably could play left tackle in a pinch. But this is about the time that you would think Nolan Rucci would be ready to take significant reps if need be. Say if Jack Nelson misses a game. Last year, they didn't put him in there. They put, uh, who was it? Was, was it Logan Brown? that they put out there at left tackle when Jack Nelson, I'm trying to think which game he missed. But then, and then I think Logan Brown went and started at right tackle as well. And then Trey Wedding moved into the right tackle, starting right tackle spot. So uh, when, when Riley was hurt, there are a number of opportunities for, uh, I mean, there are going to be opportunities for Nolan to play though, because we heard Jack McNell talk about it. He wants to play or is needs to play. I don't know about no wants to, but needs to play probably seven to eight guys with the way that they're going to be running their offense. And if Jack Nelson's going to miss a series, you would think Nolan Rucci would have a chance to be in there. Um, I think they have their top. They have their top six with Trey Wedding kind of being the guy that can do whatever. And then you're looking at Joe Brunner and Nolan Rucci and maybe even um, Joe Huber as those next three guys after that so I I look at Nolan Rucci five-star talent obviously if uh, Jack Nelson has a really good season and leaves after this year I think that spot is Nolan Rucci's I don't think you're going to move him to the right side right now but again Jack McNeil is probably gonna have an opportunity to look through all this tape all this film from spring and be like oh well maybe maybe we move him over to that side maybe we give him a shot over there but I think right now they're letting him concentrate on left tackle and I think that's where he's going to be are the number of injuries only six practices in the spring unusual? No, no. I when I was going through a couple last week when I was going through my Graham Mertz notes, I also went through some of the injury notes, and the number of injured guys was extremely long last year and the year before that and the year before that. We obviously didn't get to see spring in 2020 because there wasn't any, but there's always injuries. Uh, I remember too in 2021 they were essentially playing fullbacks at running back. Uh, so this is not abnormal. They're, they're a little low on numbers the outside linebacker due to injury with Caden Johnson missing time and Jeff Pietrowski missing time. But that is, you know, what happens. Uh, running back, obviously, they were a little low at that spot as well. Tight end, they are certainly still low with guys missing time. But I don't think it's anything uh, out of the norm compared to uh, most normal years. Um, and he finishes by asking, without bias of prior knowledge, which I have that prior knowledge, so this is going to be nearly impossible, based on only on viewing spring practices, how would you rank the wide receiver group? I, I can't do a comprehensive ranking, uh, you know, at the top through the bottom, or, you know, from 1 to 13. I won't do that. Um, but of the guys currently healthy, which rules out Bryson Green, which rules out Chris Brooks Jr., I think Will Pauling has had the best spring, so you would have to say, I mean, if we're just doing this based on spring, you would say he's their best wide receiver. He's number one, right? Just based on what he's been able to do. Number two would probably be Keontes Lewis, based on some of the things that he has been able to do. And the fact that Tanner Mordecai appears to really like throwing him the ball. We've seen a little bit better from uh, Chimray DK, so I would probably put him number three. Skylar Bell would, mm, mm. C.J. Williams, just based on what he did last Saturday, would probably be number four. Skylar Bell would be five. I thought he had a really good Thursday. And then after that, it's tough. 
It's tough because so, those top five. I mean, if, if Chris Brooks Jr. was thrown in here, he'd be in the top six. He was really good to start and now with a boot and unlikely to take part the rest of the spring. Bryson Green is the guy that's proven, so you would think that maybe he would be uh, that number six guy, but he hasn't taken part. So I think you could throw a number of guys in there, whether it's Marcus Allen, whether it's Quincy Burroughs, who we got to see make a, a great catch this past Thursday. Um, Tommy McIntosh can throw in there. You know, Vinny Anthony's kind of been – Lost a little bit down the depth chart, but just in terms of guys that have done it, done it, and done it a lot, I think you know Will Pauling would be my number one. Like if you walked into that spring and you hadn't seen any other uh, play, you didn't know who he was, where all these guys were from, their their high school rankings or anything like that. Will Pauling's been the most impressive of them. He's also been given a lot of opportunities, so it's. It, the slot receiver in this offense is going to be given a lot of opportunities. He's taking advantage of them. We saw Skyler Bell kind of take advantage of his on Thursday. But, yeah, I think I would go Will Pauling at number one, Keontes at two, Chimray at three, C.J. Williams at four, Skyler Bell at five, and then the other list of, uh, of guys that have taken part. But still plenty of time. Still plenty of time. I follow Badgers. He says, Trussell, uh, Mike Trussell mentioned meshing the elite early on. He did. He mentioned that in his press conference when we talked to him in January. Have you observed how he's been able to do that, scheme or otherwise? We have. We have. So we have seen them in, and we've talked about this quite a bit, we've seen them in a bunch of different formations and a bunch of different schemes and a bunch of different ways that they're going to challenge an offense. And how do they do that? Well, because we know what the outside linebacker room recruited to. We know the talent that's at that room. So how can they use those guys best? And so we've seen them still use their, you know, two, four, five, the nickel package that we've seen forever with the two outside linebackers, um, you know, on the line of scrimmage or, you know, outside the tackles. And we've seen them use that. We've seen them go to their base 3-4 defense that we've seen since 2013, you know, with the three down linemen and the four backers and the four uh, defensive backs, mostly, most of that in goal line and or, uh, you know, low red zone. And then we've also seen this dollar package. And I think this is where you're meshing the elite. This is where you're meshing the best of both systems because you're you have these bodies at outside linebacker that can play in a bunch of different spots. So you have a guy like C.J. Getz, who was your best run defender last year at outside linebacker, now on the line of scrimmage is essentially a hybrid defensive end, but he's in a two-point stance, and he's lining up over the tackle, and he's lining up against guys that are potentially 100 pounds more than he is. But he's a great, he's great stopping the run. And they think, in you know, his boundary spot as an outside linebacker, that's kind of what his biggest uh, responsibility was last year. And so while he's a little bit smaller than you probably would like uh, for a defensive lineman or a defensive end, that's where he's at. And you also have TJ Bowlers there, a guy who is 268 pounds and put in put on 18 pounds, 17 pounds since last year, doesn't look it, but has the ability to both play that role the same as CJ gets, and he actually got some time at the ones because CJ gets been a little banged up or was banged up on uh, Thursday, and so TJ Bowlers brings a little more physicality or uh, a weight, size, strength to that spot, but he also has the ability as an outside linebacker to spread out in the two four five and get after the quarterback from a normal outside linebacker spot that we've seen for the last decade, and the same goes for in the in the three four where he can both stop the run and get after the passer. 
And they can also move him around and, and play games with the offensive line, uh, whether it's looping around and on uh, certain stunts and that type of stuff. So that they're using the uh, outside linebacker body as a defensive end, but a guy who can you know, move around a little bit. And then we also have Daryl Peterson essentially playing safety in that in that Nick in that uh, this dollar package. So where he is, he's the second team guy in that package where Hunter Wohler is the outside linebacker, but he's playing in space and uh, but he's seven yards off the ball. But what it does is whether it's Hunter Wohler or whether it's Daryl Peterson, it gives them an option to drop. It gives them an option to play the run. It gives them an option to blitz. It gives them so many different things that they can do with that guy because of that body type, both Hunter Wohler and Daryl Peterson. Uh, obviously, Peterson slightly bigger, but he had a big smile on his face when we were talking to him about it today, playing in space. Um, it's not something he's done a ton of, but it's something he's feeling a little bit more comfortable with. And there are certain aspects of this defense where it's not um, it's not stop the run first. It's... And that's, that is a change from the previous defense where it was check run first, and if, not, if it's not run, rush the quarterback. That's not necessarily how this defense, I think, is going to approach it all the time. Um, I think that's probably worth more delving into as we see a little bit more of the defense and learn a little bit more of how Mike Trussell is going to play this. Um, but stop the run was – the, and that's still going to be, a, obviously, a huge – thing right but when you have certain keys checking off whether it's a run uh was always at the top of the list and now they may they may allow these guys a little bit more freedom in uh in getting after uh the quarterback again that probably is something that we should probably delve into a little bit more deeper i'm only touching the surface on on that comment but uh that is essentially what meshing the elite is. Meshing what they did really, really well under the previous defense, and I really think that's what that dollar package is going to do, is uh, really put these guys in the position to use their outside linebackers in a number of different ways that maybe we haven't necessarily seen. And the inside linebackers the same way with uh, some of the, with their ability to uh, blitz and, and come from different places. I think the dollar package gives them so much versatility, so much versatility. Um, and it's not something that we have seen uh, before. Um, uh, Carter says, you guys have talked a bunch about the receiver position in the spring for obvious reasons. Haven't mentioned Marcus Allen at all, really. Has he gotten any reps with the twos? I could see him hitting the portal again after spring ball. He has been, so I was mistaken. I think I corrected my mistake one of the uh, on an earlier show. He has been in the slot. He has been the number three slot guy. So he's been behind Will Pauling, behind uh, Skylar Bell, working with the threes. He will occasionally get work with the twos when they're they're going an extended period and they, they uh, will sub, you know, because guys are going so many plays back to back to back. He's made some plays, but he's also done the Marcus Allen thing where uh, he looks really good on one play and has the ball hit his face mask the next. So um, it's that's what we have come to um, – Expecting it's unfortunate because Marcus Allen has plenty of talent. There's there's just no doubt about that. I, I don't anybody that says Marcus Allen doesn't have talent, I, I think is mistaken. But I think he lets uh, I think mentally he lets things get to him. So that can't happen in college on a regular basis, or you're not going to succeed. And I, I think at times things stick with you, and uh, he's a guy that lets things stick with him. And so 
he has made plays at times. And he's also, as I said, made some of the things that we saw last year, you know, during the season uh, happen as well. I think it was, it was maybe the Washington State game where he had a couple of just uh, great throws from Graham on slants and he couldn't hold on to him. Um, plenty of talent in that dude. Plenty of talent. But uh, he is down the depth chart uh, as it is currently constructed. Uh, Frank says, what time of day do they practice and how does that affect their class schedules? Which, uh, for real quickly for that, spring ball is all in the morning. And as you'd expect, athletes have a pretty favorable way of getting classes that they need and when they need them, um, or not when they need them, but they, they get first choice on a lot of things. So it's not like they're sitting there waiting, uh, on the first day of classes to go in, or the first day that you can you know sign up for classes, like every other student, there's there's a way to be able to uh, uh, get the classes you need and when they are during uh, the season. It's usually um, I don't know what it's going to look like under Luke. I know most most teams do practice in the morning because a lot of you know classes don't necessarily start for for most until I believe like some of the earliest classes you can have at UW are like seven thirty eight o'clock. So if you get there, if you get going earlier in the morning, there's plenty of time for guys to get off and, and go to class. But uh, specifically with Luke Fickle, I'm not sure. Right now, morning practices uh, during the week and late mornings on, uh, on the weekend. And uh, which walk-ons have looked like possible contributors? It's a good question. It's still I'm, – I'm trying to think of some of the guys that, that have been walk-ons that could potentially play – I don't know about guys that are going to play actual snaps, like, you know, um, offensively or defensively. Uh, I think a guy like Owen Arnett and a guy like Marty Stray, Stry, and hmm, um, can we count Joe Huber as a walk-on because he was a walk-on at Cincinnati? No. Riley Nowakowski is a possibility uh, at tight end. He has gotten some work because of the injuries at the position, but I don't know if that's going to re- actually result in him playing uh, come fall. Amon Williams is essentially the number two slot right now. That has a little bit to do with Max Lofi probably being out, but Amon is a guy that feels like he's always around the ball, um, makes a ton of plays in the spring, also gives up his share of big plays. So um, he's a guy that on special teams I could see uh, playing a role. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really see too many others that are uh, walk-ons right now. That may change when the other class, the freshman class comes in, but uh, that's what I have right now. Jason says, Zach, can you see much of Mordecai's athleticism yet? It sounded like he's at least a threat to run, but you don't see a ton of highlights of him doing it at uh, SMU. When I saw this question, I thought of his long run when he was at SMU. You're probably right about you don't see the, the highlights, a ton of highlights of him running, but he's got that ability. There's no doubt about it. We saw in that little Phil Longo thing between him and uh, Mordecai joking back and forth where he's he's sneaky athletic. And um, But, no, I think Wisconsin is going to use his athleticism. Uh, we have seen a few times where they have his ball, where the ball is in his hands, um, and he does have the ability to escape the pocket. And, and take off. And, and Braden Locke has that ability a little bit too. Nick Evers certainly does off the charts. But Tanner's got it. He, he does. There's no doubt that he has uh, as good a mobility, I think, I, I think, as any of the quarterbacks that they've had probably since 
Russell, in terms of guys that have actually played, um, how, I guess I forgot about Tanner McAvoy. He is not as athletic as Tanner McAvoy. I'll say that, but he's not that far away from that ability to to get out and move and, and move around and, and take advantage if he's given that opportunity. Um, he's a, he's a shade above where Jack Cohn was, and I know Jack wasn't necessarily viewed as an athletic guy, but he certainly could take off uh, when he needed to. So, um, yeah, I, I we have seen some of it, and I think some of it's going to be even in design plays at some point as well. I mentioned Mordecai as uh, one of the standouts, and he's been a standout for the last probably three or four practices. And Matt says Mordecai is there regularly, what is standing out so much more than the others. He knows where he needs to put the ball, and he puts it there. It's, I mean, it's simple as that. He knows the offense. He feels comfortable in the offense. He's not – like, the first two practices weren't great. The last four have been as uh, – have been good to very good. And some of the ball placement that he's had is just um, at a different level than what some of these other guys have. And that's – look, as I said on yesterday's show, there's no competition between – uh, after the top two, the competition right now is is the three is for the third job. So, when you say the others, the others just haven't made plays. Um, even when given opportunities, they haven't necessarily stood out um, anywhere close to what Tanner Mac, uh, Tanner Mordecai and Braden Locke have. And between Braden Locke and Tanner Mordecai, it's just some of the play, ball placement. The throw that I mentioned to Will Pauling over the middle between two guys on Thursday. Wow, just a, a remarkable throw. So those are the type of plays that he has made that the other quarterbacks haven't on a regular basis. It, that, that, to me, is why he's been able to stand out more so than uh, some of the, others, uh, the other quarterbacks at this point. Badger fan says, any sense on what players are not fitting into the new offense and defense? We're six practices in. I don't think it's probably fair to have that conversation just yet. Um, I think certain guys are probably going to benefit more so than others. Look at TJ Bowlers was deep on the depth chart last year at outside linebacker. Now he's with the twos, and I think you know we could potentially, um, you know, we'll see what happens with Jeff Petrowski because he's a guy that they're also going to play in that spot. But I think TJ Bowlers has a chance to be uh, to have a huge, huge jump in this system. I'm trying to think of uh, some other guys that are. are going to benefit significantly. I think Hunter Wolder is a guy that's going to benefit significantly. In terms of guys that are just not where it's not going to work, or maybe they are further down the depth chart, a guy like Vinny Anthony, as I mentioned. Um, he was essentially fourth on the depth chart at uh, the slot. They even they even moved him outside to get him on the field because he just hasn't been uh, getting a ton of reps because there's just been so many bodies at wide receiver. So I don't I don't get that I don't get a sense yet of what who's it going to work for and who's it not. I think as we go through, I think that may be a great question to bring back up at the end of spring ball and uh, after 15 practices, and we 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 kind of get a feel, even a better feel for where each guy is, you know, in their coaches' minds. But there's a ton of talent on this team and a lot of athletic talent that meshes really well with these the schemes that they brought in, both on offense and uh, and on defense. And I'll finish with this one. Uh, Keaton says, should teams be able to scrimmage other teams in the spring? Assuming it would be a, against a G5 or a FCS program, who would you like the Badgers to play in a hypothetical spring game scrimmage? Off the board, they should 
scrimmage UWW in Whitewater, that'd be fun. I don't think that'd be fun for Whitewater. I'll be honest, I don't. Um, I don't mind this idea. I kind of like it. I know. Uh, I, I don't mind the idea. I think it's. I think it's interesting. Could it be like one of those like the secret scrimmage type of stuff that they do? The thing with with this is, um, injuries. Teams try and take it easy on each other during spring, and they do the same thing in fall camp. We have not seen a full live tackling yet in spring. I'm not sure we will. A lot of teams only do it during their spring game. Wisconsin won't be doing it during their spring game because obviously they're not having a spring game. They're just having the opening uh, or the launch, I should say, and and we'll, we'll get to see that. But, yeah, I, I know why a lot of teams don't do it. I don't hate it, but I don't think uh, it's coming anytime soon. What I wouldn't hate is the, the practicing together kind of like the NFL teams do like we've seen the Packers do with the Jets and uh, with the Texans and that type of thing. I kind of, I kind of th- wouldn't be, a, I wouldn't mind that. Um, but I also think they kind of treat the um, non-conference season, especially when it's some of the lower level uh, play teams from the, from the group of five uh, or FCS programs where they, they you know play them in that opening game. And that's kind of what they treat it like. But I, I wouldn't be opposed to, you know, having teams come in and, and practice against each other. Um, but would it be fun to have it in the spring? Absolutely. Um, I, I don't know if we'd get teams from all over the country flying in here, but like, uh, could you get Northern Iowa or Southern Illinois? Like some of the teams that Wisconsin has played in the regular season coming in here and, and um, scrimmaging in the spring. I don't know. I mean, would you have to pay them to come in? Because that's the only reason those other teams come in here in, in the fall is they're coming for a paycheck. So would money have to be in, involved in it? it? I know I'm kind of taking the fun out of the question. I get that. But how fun would like North Dakota, North Dakota State come in here? That'd be amazing. That would be amazing. Um, and, and getting to play against them in a real spring game. Um, kind of like the volleyball team does. Like those games don't count, uh, but they, they play here in the spring. They don't count towards anything. But football, again, is just a different animal. Um, and the injury aspect plays a huge part of it. So, all right, that is going to do it for today's show. Going to be back, as I said, on, uh, we'll be back, we're recording tomorrow night, or on Sunday night. We'll have the episode posted Sunday uh, or early Monday morning, breaking down practice number Sound of Spring, which is taking place tomorrow. Going to be outside, Camp Randall, can't wait. Until then, you've been listening to The Camp.